used to weigh 220 pounds and more. I came into Old Readers Anonymous in 1975. I have been abstaining ever since. When I came in, there was no hope for me. I was contemplating suicide uh, on that Sunday. I had written a note that I didn't want to live anymore. I had three children. I had a, my joke is I had three children. I had a blonde husband. I had a blonde dog. And I had a perfect life from the looking at the outside, except I was over 200 pounds. My breasts were so large I couldn't see my feet. And, you know, I just was miserable. I was miserable all through high school. I developed very early. I'd had my period before I was nine years old, and my first bra was a 34B. You know, and there was no hormones in the meat then, so I have no idea what happened to me. <laughs> and I was, um, I read something in the, um, in the Times that Ann Landers had a section in the, in the calendar section that talked about Overeaters Anonymous. Well, I got so excited. And just prior to this, I just got my driver's license. I was 28 years old. I had three children. My husband made all the decisions for me. And that was fine with me because I wanted no responsibility. I didn't want to think. I didn't read. I didn't go anywhere. I didn't have an opinion of my own that I didn't look to my husband or somebody older, wiser, prettier, taller, quicker, thinner. I just didn't have a thought on my own. I did graduate from high school. I don't know how I did that because I thought I was a failure. And here when I found my, my report card, I was A's and B's and C's. I don't even know how that happened because I ate my way through high school. I spent more time in the bathroom, I think, I did in class eating popcorn. Um, I sucked my thumb until I was 21 years old, uh, and I just begged God to remove that, and I, I didn't know why, but it was gone. I never, never said thank you to God, because it just went away. I just figured it was time. I grew up, you know, like you don't stop wetting your bed. It, life was not fun. I didn't enjoy being a child. I didn't enjoy being a young adult. I didn't enjoy high school. It's just... But I was a happy person. <laughs> of course, I was over 200 pounds. You know, my top weight that I'm aware of was 220. If you see, when you see the pictures of me in my wedding dress, you'll, you'll see my breast, you know, which I think is hysterical. I, put, I could have put knickknacks up there. And I don't think they would have fallen off, you know. And I read this article and I went to the meeting. I called somebody and they sent me to the meeting. And I got to the meeting, and the meeting was a bunch of crazy people. I mean, there was one redhead sitting in the front row. She had great big gold hoop earrings. And my mom told me, along with many other things, that if you wore hoop earrings or dangling earrings, or you had dyed hair, you were a whore. I also couldn't wear patent leather shoes because the boys could see up your dress and see your panties. Now, i got to tell you, I can look down at my patent leather shoes that I wear today and I can't see up my panties. So, I, you know, I was raised in a um, religious home. And from the earliest part of my remembrance, I didn't believe what I was taught. I always questioned. Yeah, how come? Why? 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 
And they would say, because it's a mystery. Well, that doesn't wash with my kind of thinking. I need to know why. And um, once I came into over, and I went to that meeting. Somebody help me stay on track. I went to that meeting, and I thought all these people were crazy, and I left the meeting. Uh, that's after I spoke to the speaker, who was Dottie Shore, who was absolutely fabulous, said, well, honey, you're in the wrong meeting. This is EHA, Emotionally Health Anonymous. You need to come to Overeaters Anonymous. That's here tomorrow night. Well, I, I remember walking out going, <laughs> I haven't got those. I'm not nuts. You know, these people are nuts. They just let them loose, you know. And so I went there the next night on a Tuesday night. And they were all there. All those people, including the redhead. <laughs> and I, my first experience Overeaters Anonymous was a lady named Natalie. Natalie stood up where I am, and uh, it still makes me cry to this day. She's, she's standing where I am, and she says, I'm for you. I'm for those people who saw a raisin on the ground, stepped on it, backed up, picked it up, and ate it. And I have never left. Because that's was, that was me. I ate, I ate anything. I ate out of the garbage, ate off the street. I've been abstaining for 40 years. That's a miracle. I, I don't want applause for it because, it, believe me, of myself, I couldn't do it. But after 40 years, I got out of the car the other day, turned to shut the door, and laying on the ground was a goldfish cracker. <laughs> Guess what I thought? Now, that thought was fleeting but that was my first thought. I could eat that. Oh, it's on the ground. It's like it's free. So I went to that meeting, and they gave me a piece of paper with a food plan. And I saw a lady in a color green similar to, exactly like yours. And she was tall, and she was standing up, and all I could see was the back of her hair. And she was tall and had this nice color green. And I asked her to be my sponsor. You know, I'm very opinionated. So, again, these are my opinions, and you don't have to like them. If you have a problem with them, please write over it. Um, she gave me the, she told me about the food plan. She says, call me tomorrow at 3 o'clock and give me your food. There was no instructions. There was no red light, green light, purple light foods. This was the food plan. This is what I had to do. And I did it. Because I'm going to die. I'd already attempted suicide three times, and I didn't do that so good, as you can see. And so I did. And there were no answering machines. So this new thing just came out. It was called a sticky note. So if her kids were home, they answered the phone, and they wrote my food down and stuck it on the kitchen cupboard. She told me to call at 3 o'clock. I called at 3 o'clock. Today, if I, if I give someone the time or make a suggestion, if you're all in this room and have sponsored people, the excuses are unbelievable. Because I do, and it's not because I'm special or I have some special gift or I do it right or I'm perfect, because there is nothing about perfect about me. Nothing. Because I will die. There is not enough chocolate, popcorn, peanut butter in the world. My last binge, I ate so much Ruffles potato chips and washed it down with a Diet RC, which they don't even make anymore, 
that the roof of my mouth bled. I can't. I am an alcoholic when it comes to food. It works for me to have a food plan. Is it perfect? Nah, there is no perfect. The first five years I didn't touch a grain of rice, a piece of potato, a piece of bread. You know, My body works really well on no carbohydrates. But I like carbohydrates, so I have them every once in a while. If there's a major change in my food, I talk to a sponsor because it works for me. If I tell you what I'm going to have, then it stops any of the noise in here. Now, I have chatty Kathy, and she's busy all the time. I will wake up in the morning at 5.30, and it'll say, what are you having for breakfast? I'm not going to use the words that I say, but I, am, I have a prolific way of saying fuck. You know, and it's, it, I, had to, I had to go to a retreat to learn how to say it because the way I was raised... But I really admired someone that could say that word. I thought I was so, I was so impressed. <laughs> so I went to this meeting, and eventually I had to get a step sponsor and someone to take me through the steps. And so I saw this lady standing over in the corner, and I liked her, and I thought I saw her in Our Lady of Grace carpool, and I asked her, and she said yes. She told me to call her at 8 o'clock in the evening on Tuesdays and Thursdays. If I missed it, I missed her. She worked a full-time job, had four children, and went to school. So I can understand why she had a time frame. Then I found out that she was a Jew. I almost had a heart attack. Uh, I was raised to hate anything that wasn't a white Catholic. Period. It wasn't open for discussion. That's just the way it was. I didn't even see a black person until I was on TV. Larry Dolby, who used to be a pitcher for the Cleveland Indians. I really didn't see a live black person until I came to California and then my god I was terrified because I didn't know all I know was raised by hate those of you that are over 40 remember Archie Bunker my dad was on steroids you know if he would have known about a redneck he would have been one you know if he could have shot a gun but I don't think he could have and so coming to California and meeting all of a variety of people was really a culture shock for me. I was scared most of the time, almost through high school. I went to Venice High School. I don't need to say any more. Those of you that live in this area, you know what Venice High School was. I was just terrified. And, of course, I did the best I could. I ate. So when I found out that this lady was, was Jewish, I, I needed to tell her I couldn't, she couldn't sponsor me anymore because, you know, they have horns and they do all these crazy things. And, and I, I was just, I, I couldn't do it. I mean, what if my dad found out? And here I've been hugging and talking to this lady. I already been to her house, and I didn't see anything to allude. And it really, it really is funny. And you think about it, because she's still my sponsor. (laughs) Forty years, she's still my sponsor. She still has a sponsor. She's been abstaining forty-four years. And uh, and there started my journey. And to give you the stats on my life very briefly, I've been married three times. First husband, 13 and a half years. Second husband, 10 years. And the third husband, 10 years. I married drunks. Three of them, same man, different body. You know, uh, my father was a drunk. My grandfather died of alcoholism. My brother's a drunk. My sister's a drunk. My son's a drunk. My sister's son is a drunk and in prison. 
My oldest sister has three drunks in her family, and she married a drunk. So what can I tell you about? You know, if a drunk is in a room of 100 people, he's got low jack up his ass, and I'm going to find him. (laughs) There is a draw there. Today, I have discovered the draw. It's the lack of my self-worth. And so after my last marriage, I said, I have got to do this. There's something I'm, I'm missing. And my sponsor suggested that maybe I might want to try some therapy. And I did. And because I'd done all the work prior, this was 14 years ago, because I had done all the work prior in Overeaters Anonymous, I knew what I wanted to focus on. And we got, we got it handled lickety-split. But I really have a desire to be well. To eat well, to think well, to act well. I really have that desire. Because when I don't do those things, there's a, a gnawing in my gut that is terrible. I have three adult, I have four adult children. I have a great relationship with two. The other two have moved out of the country. They don't want anything to do with anybody in the family. That's not my fault. I have one great son. He's absolutely fabulous. And the other one, the drunk, you know. Uh, we talk. I mind my own business because I went to Al-Anon for so long. I still read Al-Anon every day because I really have that disease of self-will run riot. I really think at times I know what's best for just everybody. But I have learned that that's not true and I keep my mouth shut most of the time. Unless I goof. And then I have to make amends. It's not worth it sometimes. Opening my mouth is not worth it because I can see forward what I'm going to have to do because I know going into it, it's none of my business. And so today, um, driving here to Beverly Hills, I chuckle because I didn't even drive. I chuckle because my husband used to take me to the grocery store and write out a check and he'd pick me up in an hour. Today, I'm a fabulous cook. Where I used to have to call my husband six times a day to ask him what he wanted. I used to ask him if I could go to the bathroom. Three weeks ago, at the end of February, my, uh, the fellow that I'm involved with have been for 11 years. We don't live together, which probably was a perfect relationship. And um, he had a stroke. And at that same time, my first husband's wife died. And I was not able to go to the funeral. And I have a relationship with my first and second husband. And that's because of this program. There is no bitterness. And um, two Wednesdays ago, I went down to see him because I said I'd visit. And it was just great. There was no bitterness. And I hear people talk about their exes and the things that they do, and it just breaks my heart because it's so unnecessary. And he was a bastard. You know, I was his first wife, and he just buried number five. And I got to meet all four of them. They bring him to my house. You know, it's like, what do you think? And I would say, what in the hell are you doing? Are you out of your freaking mind? She's got five kids. You're not even a parent to your own. Well, I don't want to be alone. I said, oh, okay, I understand. You know, in the conversation. So our son is coming in from Vermont in June, and he's coming driving to Simi Valley from Glendora, and we're going to make dinner with my boyfriend because he likes, he likes Anthony. And I just am grateful 
I'm grateful. I uh, used to be a preschool teacher. I got a job. Somebody offered me a job. I was at a, at a, at a party and somebody from said, you need to talk to this lady. She's got a problem with her drunk husband. And I said, I'm at a party. You know, go to Al-Anon. She didn't know what that was, so I went over to her place of work, which happened to be a preschool, and she offered me a job that day. And I got certified and everything, and I was a preschool teacher for a very long time. And I loved it until husband number two, we got a divorce. And I didn't know what to do with my life. And I joked and said, I'll sell cars. Well, I did. I sold cars. <laughs> and a friend of mine's husband, I sponsored this lady. Her husband says, I know somebody. And I'm just, I said, you're out of your mind. <laughs> I sold cars for several years. And then I got promoted and I got promoted and I got promoted. And I worked there for 20 years. Who would have thought? I mean, if I would have looked at my life before I came into Overeaters Anonymous and I said, you're going to be a top. You know, I had number two key, which means I could open any place in the door in a place. And I'd make the kind of money I did. And said, you're going to do this. I would have never believed it. And that I qualified this lady who didn't even have a wallet because, number one, I had nothing to carry in it. And I didn't have a driver's license. And everything that I'm telling you is the honest to God's truth, cross my heart and hope to die. Poke a stick in my eye. You can ask me anything. I have no shame or guilt over anything anymore. I don't care what it is. I had sex before I was married. (laughs) And my mother told me. There's going to be a black mark on your wedding dress if you do that. I looked and looked and looked. You know? And I, I look at my life and I've had some tragedies. There's not anybody sitting in any of these chairs has not had tragedies and horrible heartbreak in their life. Physical, emotional, spiritual. Doesn't matter. We're all the same when it comes to these things. And all we knew was to solve it by food. And it just doesn't work for me anymore. It can't. Because I I don't know how to stop. I don't know how to stop. There's something that takes over in my brain. I don't know what it is. I don't care. I'm an advocate for the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. I still read the stuff I wrote in, read in the beginning. I read Stools and Bottles. I read the Little Red Book, which is absolutely black and white, hardcore things that you need to do. And I, I still do those things. I report my food. Why? Because it releases the insane thinking. My insane thinking doesn't last long. It's a second. But I just don't want to be bothered with it. And it keeps me... At a normal weight, it keeps me checking in with another human being because I am a liar, a cheat, steal when it comes to food. I can rationalize anything. If there is a pair of red high heels and they're $400 and I don't have $400, I'm going to find a way to get those red shoes. Trust me. 
Now, same with food. When I want something that bad, I'm going to find a way. That's the old me. I did buy two pairs of glasses yesterday. One's red. I had my other one fixed. So, you know, it's just, but I, could, I, I financially could afford that. But I know my thinking. When I want what I want, I want it. And if I don't have somebody to help me, rein me in, I just go off like a bullet. And if, if you're thinking, well, after all this time, you still do that? Hardly at all. But boy, I'll tell you, when that horse is out of the barn, she is a thoroughbred and she is going like crazy. And I just need a word or two. That's all. I've called my sponsor and she'll say, she did say, why don't you say the serenity prayer? And I couldn't think of it. And I said, give me the first three words. I, my brain doesn't work like other people's. And I accept that. There's no fight in me anymore. I don't fight anything or anybody. I don't argue with my sister who's a devout Catholic. It's just useless. And my, my brother has become a born-again Christian, and he needs to save me. And God bless him. And I have a great relationship with both of them. And my other sister, she's a hippie. You know, with the bangles and, oh my God, she's hysterical. And I love her to pieces. She's been sober for 24 years. And she came out to visit. And we went to AA meetings. And it was wonderful. You know, it's something that we didn't have growing up. We didn't have a family growing up. My dad was a drunk. And any of you been raised with a drunk, you know what I'm talking about. But I have a way to live today that every day I have peace in my heart. I have been on disability for a year. I've had both my shoulders replaced uh, with incredible apparatus. It's just amazing what they can do today. You know, I'm never going to be able to do my bra on the back like I never have. I have to swing it around and attach it in the front, but I don't care about that. You know, I, I don't care. I swim every day. And uh, I can't do over the head, but I can do like the dog paddle. You know, I have limits. I can do 25 pounds with this arm, and I can do 20 with this arm. Together, I can do 45. I can figure that out. I don't know. Um, I, I got terminated in December from my job. December 26th. I'm, I'm so glad they waited. Um, <laughs> And I don't know if I'm going to retire or not. I have no idea. I'm in the process of uh, getting a book edited. Um, who would have thought that somebody asked me to write a book? It has nothing to do with Old Readers Anonymous. But just two doctors approached me and asked me to write a book. Who would have thought? I can't even spell you know, I don't know if any of you know Bobby Earl, but Bobby Earl used to say, dead is dead. D-E-D is dead. You don't need D-A. <laughs> and I am a phonetic speller. I always have been. You know, I try to look up phlegm. <laughs> F-L-E-M, that's how you spell it, you know. When I came into Old Readers Anonymous, I didn't read outside of the uh, TV guide. 
Today I belong to a book club. I've read over 200 books in the last 10 years. I read an average of a hardcover book once a month, plus I listen to books on tape. I have a Kindle. I mean, I have an iPad. I have an iPhone. I drive. I have a GPS. It, it, it may mean nothing to you, but I'm astounded. But I will tell you this. My sponsor says to me, who is really a nice lady, Jewish, nice lady. I married a Jew. Husband, too, was too. Rabbi Kramer married us. Listen, I've had been to more seders than some Jewish people I know. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, in fact, Anthony asked me the other day, he says, what about it? I says, because they have a God that doesn't punish him. Put him through a lot of trials, but doesn't punish him. And I love my life today. I have no idea where I'm going. No idea where I'm going. I am 68 years old. I feel 40. I look probably 60 because I don't, I, I'm not a good judge. But I love my life and I'm excited about my future. And if you're an old Readers Anonymous, please don't leave. Thank you very much. Okay. This is time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with one of us after the meeting. Also remember that the opinions of the leader, which would be me, are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself because we're being recorded. Please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. If being recorded, please restate the question after it's asked. Is there any questions from... Yes? Uh, the question is asking how I became opinionated, being that I didn't have an opinion. Uh, because of the steps and reading the, the literature. Because that was the first really hardcover book that I had read since high school. I started reading and asking questions. And my circle of people was huge now. I mean, I met women and men that I like that defied everything that I was raised with. And I listened. We'd go, we used to go out to coffee because I didn't work. You know, I had children. I didn't, I didn't really work, you know. And so I just had children. And so opinions would be talked about around a table, conversations. I got educated in life, in people. That, that's how it happened. And today, I consider myself a fairly well-informed human being. Because I read and I ask questions. I still ask questions. Does that answer your question? And I still do all those things, read all those things. The lady behind you? Thank you. Uh, You're welcome. Uh, God your upbringing, how did you come to your own um, higher power? I, uh, how did I come to my own higher power based on how I was raised? Because it never fit, fit for me. Never fit for me. And I, was, I had someone come to dinner, and we were talking about God, and I was still in the trenches of my religion. And we were, had a debate. I was two years abstinence at the time. And he, the person said to me, 
Okay, I want you to do something. We're going to talk about God. He says, I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to take your child, one of your children, and you, you put him in your arms. And you picture the worst, the most horrible thing that child could ever do that would make you just hate them. And I said, okay, I got it. My eyes are closed. He says, now I want you to walk in and put him in the oven. And I did exactly what she did. I, I gasped. I said, I could never do that. And he said, either could your God. And that started my trend. It was like a two by four. It hit me so hard that I had such a punishing, horrible God. And so I started to look. I went to a bunch of different churches. And of course, since I had this incredible sponsor who had, teach, who had taught me love, tolerance, just empathy, not to criticize. So I would go to some of these churches and I would say, well, how do you feel about the Jews? And they says, well, you've got to bring them in. I go, thank you very much. <laughs> and so today my religion is the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. I do not, I do not cater to organized religion at all. I would more or less encompass everything, you know. I don't put any down. It's just not, it doesn't work for me. Does that answer your question? What's your concept of a higher power today? A very loving entity. If you want to see a picture of him, it's George Burns. (laughs) When I saw the movie, Oh God, when he said, when he asked George Burns, was the was Jesus the son of God and he goes yeah and so is the guy who charged $13 for the stake because you're you're the son of God he is the son of God and it just dawned on me it was another two by four and you know I can't see that movie without the movie the music starts and I start to bawl because I know that's the truth we all are a part of whatever it is far grander than I could see and Bobby Earl says if I could understand God God would be very limited Does that... Okay, yes. Thank you so much. How do you um, do all of your program stuff with your husband's... Husbands? Like, how has that worked for you? It started with an alarm clock. I was in the program for just a few months, and my sponsor suggested that I get up 15 minutes early. Now, remember, I had three babies, and I was a daycare mother. So I had close to 10 two-year-olds, including my mom. She says, can you get up 15 minutes early? I can't. I can't get up 15 minutes early. She goes, why? I says, because Richard has the alarm clock. Now, remember, I just got my driver's license. She goes, Emmy, did you ever think to get your own alarm clock? What a concept. Did, would you think of that? I didn't think of that. I got my alarm clock. So I sat on the edge of the couch with my cup of coffee, my Benson and Hedges, and the big book, um, 12 and 12, and Alan on, and 24 hours a day. And I got to read, and I felt like a grown-up, you know, away from the kids. That's how it started. Today, in 2015, 
I get up in the morning, I turn on the coffee, I stumble to the bathroom, I get the coffee, no cigarette, haven't smoked in 35 years, and uh, I sit down with my books. I do that every day. And when I go to Anthony's house, I have a book in the bathroom. And I do it every day. I have to start the day. I don't want any excuses. I can't. You know, I want what this program has more than anything. And this is what it says on page 83, 86, whatever. You get in the morning and you go to bed. And that's what I do. When I finally fall asleep or close the book I'm reading, I say, thank you for a great day. That's it. And if I've done anything I'm uncomfortable with, I says, I really screwed up today. Help me with that. Does that answer your question? I still do the same thing I did. Yes, ma'am. Um, has the obsession with the food been lifted? Yes. At what point in your process did that happen? You know, I really can't tell you, but I think having a food plan was the biggest thing. I know that the boys who wrote the big book, you know, they did, they struggled. Uh, Dr. Bob struggled for the first two and a half years. He never, it never left him. And they were always trying to find a better way with seances and, you know, you know, they, they were both depressed. Um, it's just gone. It doesn't mean I don't really look forward to my steak because I'm a meat eater. I don't eat as much as I used to, uh, but I'm a meat eater. Um, I had meatloaf the other morning and blackberries. It's healthy. <laughs> Protein and fruit. You know, but it, it just went away. It just went away. I don't, I couldn't pinpoint the time, but I followed a plan. I followed a plan. And it works for me. You know, I don't care what the plan is. If it's four bowls of cereal in the morning, fine. Don't have five. There has to be some sort of, of plan. I don't do random eating. You know, I pretty much know what I'm going to have for lunch today, and I pretty much know what I'm going to have for dinner. And that's pretty, it just, it just comes, because I've been doing it so long. It's just like uh, when you work, you kind of like figure out what you're going to wear the next day. It's kind of like the same thing. Yes, ma'am. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Could you talk a little bit about what your, if you had any, issues were in dealing with other people before program and how you, whether you acted out at all and how you dealt with those in program? Uh, how did I deal with uh, personal relationships in program? Um, my mother was a bitch. My dad was a drunk. Um, and what I got to do is work the al program. I minded my own business, but it was very difficult. And I did put my foot in it a lot. Um, I, I went to a sponsor a lot. I got counsel from people with time in the program that had experience. Uh, it's been my worst thing, you know, trying to deal with other human beings because they're so complicated. And I really mess it up even more. I, my hardest thing is dealing with how I feel about myself, the way I think and feel about somebody. And that's when I call the boss. I call her the boss. And I told her the other day what was going on. 
because it was really nasty how I felt. I felt guilty because of the way I felt about her. And I felt guilty that I felt that way. And I was angry at myself because I felt that way. Because where's my loving tolerance and patience and kindness? And then I felt bad because I couldn't feel love and patience and tolerance and kindness. And then I was judging her. This was all in the span of 20 minutes. So when she said to me when I gave her the story, she says, well, you got ensnarled. I go, ooh, I like that word. I was ensnarled in this. And I was used. So what I was feeling was appropriate. But I've learned to check it out with another human being. You know, I I don't mess around. This is not my best friend. My head is not my best friend. If it's adding two and two and comes up with four, it's working really good. When I have to figure you out and try to act on it, and believe me, I have made more, more amends and written more letters of apology because I have allowed this mouth of mine to get in my way. I've pushed God aside because I've said, I got this. I can handle this. I don't need your help because I know what's best. And then I get my titty in a ringer and I'm in a mess. I'm sorry. I, it's... <laughs> Yes. Does that answer your question? Yes, ma'am. Uh, thanks for your share. You're welcome. Um, you talked about today uh, whether there are foods you abstain from, like what's a typical food day for you, and how you work with your sponsor. Do you continue to work steps? Do you call call a certain time, like today in your program? Okay, my food. My food for a day. That's the first question. Um, my food for the day is. Uh, this morning I had seven blackberries and I had a five ounce thing of vanilla yogurt and I had a very thin slice of my homemade banana bread it's got chai and chi and ching and chang in it and, and whole wheat and all that stuff very thin lunch today is the leftover piece of chicken from last night chopped up in um, a vegetable type salad with some poppy seed dressing that's my plan Unless I go to lunch with Roseanne, because I'm going to help her with a new refrigerator. I don't know. But that's what the plan is. Tonight, if I, I may, uh, when I go home, take out a steak. I haven't had any red meat in five days, and my eye teeth are starting to drop down. <laughs> so, I used to eat an entire T-bone steak. Today, I can only eat a quarter. And then I'll have the rest of it for breakfast with fruit. That's, that's my food, and that's pretty much. Sometimes I have a sandwich, uh, those little whole wheat rounds, like Weight Watcher rounds, because it's just enough. It's just some sugar. Um, I have always been able to have a piece of cheesecake, small piece of cheesecake. I don't touch ice cream. I don't, I don't touch candy, cookies. I don't touch chocolate. There's not enough chocolate in the world. Uh, I abstain from that kind of stuff, you know. Is that answer your question? Uh, and then how do you work with your sponsor? My sponsor I meet with normally once a month. We just sit and chew the fat. You know, we visit unless there's something pressing. Uh, I call her a couple times a week just to say hey, just to hear her voice, or just to check in. They've had some health restrictions, so I kind of like check on them, you know. And um, if there's a problem... If she says right about it, 
normally I have already written because she normally says write about it because she won't listen to my bullshit. She wants me to write about it. I make an appointment. I write every day or write something every day. Or if it's not every day, it's every other day. But I, it, it's, it's not uncomfortable for me to write. Because that's another thing she said to me. Can you write a minute a day? Well, anybody can write a minute a day. That's not hard. But the resistance for us to do that is just horrible. So I said, I can write a minute a day. So I put my date on the top of the paper and I write to dear God. And then I fold the paper over and start the next day. I never reread it until I give it to her. And I don't take any inventories by typing, texting, pen in hand, like the big book says. Does that answer your question? But I see her quite regularly and I talk to her. And I have a food sponsor also. Oh, uh, he's next. Yes, sir. You're welcome. So you have several husbands. Yes, I've had several husbands. Yes. Okay, very simple. What issues, how did I change from husband one, two, and three to the boyfriend that I have today? Does, does that answer the question? Okay, one, two, and three. I was raised to look for a man to take care of you. Anybody over 40 here knows what I'm talking about. You know, because we're, I'm not bright enough or smart enough or quick enough to take care of myself. You know, when I went to high school, when I graduated in 65, you either became a nurse, a teacher, or you got married. Those were our three great options. And so I met Richard on a Monday. He proposed on a Wednesday, and we were married a month and a half later. Because I was 18. I was 200 pounds. Who was going to have me? I was desperate. You know, I married a man the second time to take care of my children. Alrighty, because I was doing the best I could, and I didn't think it was good enough. What I've learned is that I don't need a man to take care of me. Now, this lady here, who didn't even have a pocketbook, you know, has bought on her own two homes. I'm not boasting. I, I'm, I have not, this is not about a pride thing. It's what I've been capable to do because of this program and working the steps. When I met Anthony, one of the boys at work wanted me to meet him, and I said, I don't need a man for my, thank you, I own a, my own home. I finally have money in the bank. I drive a new car, and if I want to get fucked, I know how to do that, or I'll take care of it myself. <laughs> and that is exactly what I said to him. I was six months out of a really bad marriage, you know. He brings him to my office. I don't want anything to do with this man. I get up out of my desk and I go out on the showroom floor and I said, how do you do? You know, I'm not happy that he's here. Very attractive man, by the way. Which I noticed. I'm not dead. And he, you know, he told me that he was glad to meet me, blah, 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 blah. He says, you know, his mother has a, just had a triple bypass and he's responsible for her. She's 94. Well, I thought, brownie point for you, a man who likes his mother. Which I've learned, if a man doesn't like his mother, doesn't have a good relationship with his mother, he probably won't treat his wife too well. That's my experience. 
And, you know, he was just visiting, and I, I said, you know, thank you so much for coming by. It was very nice meeting you, but I don't want to date. Have a really great life. And patted him on the hand. And he says, you know what, Emmy, you're right. We don't have to date. We could just be friends. Yeah, that laugh, exactly. (laughs) He says, how about dinner and a movie on Sunday? And I said, yes. Don't even ask me why. Because this man was to be brought into my life. And the thing that changed, the other big thing that changed, I did not go to bed with him on the first, second, or third date. I like sex. So, if that shocks everybody, I'm sorry. I know. What can I tell you? And he lives in Alhambra, and I live in Simi Valley. It's a 45-minute drive. And he came to my house once or twice a week for four months. And the only thing we did was hug, because I just couldn't do it one more way. And that's what I said to my sponsor. If I do what I've always done, I'm going to get what I always got. And so I had to find a different way. And that's why I went to therapy. And I always thought that I was weak-willed chicken shit. You know, and I found out that the strength in those marriages was me. And I didn't know that. But she gave me... The thing about that, I, I work well with an assignment. If I come to you with a problem and you say, do A, B, and C, I'm going to do it. Regardless of what I think. Because I've come to you for help. So she gave me an assignment. I'll tell you what those are at another time. But, I mean, it worked for me. And it still works for me. And I'm really always checking my motives. Because I want to control people. I mean, Anthony doesn't even have an ATM card. What in the world is the matter with that man? I know. It's hysterical. But that's not my business. If it doesn't affect my breathing, it's not my business. And that's my lesson. And he's not a drunk. How about that? Does that answer your question? If there's any, you know, is it over? It is over. Thank you very much. Good morning, everybody. My name is Peter, and I'm.